0: If you're a knowledge broker right now, I gave you those six questions. You really got to evaluate who you're spending your time with because if they don't have a compelling reason to move, you got to find someone else that does. If you're not getting educated about current real estate market conditions, whether you're obviously a real estate agent, you're in finance, you're in mortgage, title, attorneys, whomever, you're doing yourself, and your clients a disservice. This is the Knowledge Brokers Podcast. I'm Tom Tool. She's Lisa Chinati, and we've got the man himself, Byron Lazine here, the Knowledge Brokers, Ooh. and Lisa and Byron, another favorable report here, in my view, that came out this week from the uh, CPI data that was released. It's up 3% year-over-year year in June. Short of the expectation, only up uh, two-tenths of a percent from the prior month. And core CPI data also came in below expectation. If you don't know what that is, it's the consumer price index. It's the cost of things you buy. Core CPI data that takes out food and energy because everybody needs those. So a lot of people are calling for the Fed to kind of slow their roll here at the July meeting. We're seeing inflation come down. Byron, you've been on this with the uh, Barry Sternlight uh, opinion on this because of his rental data that he has just from his own businesses, what do you guys think about this? I think it's good news. And we saw mortgage rates retreat as a result.
1: Yeah. Lisa, you want me to jump in? Yeah, go for it. So we also saw PPI the day after CPI and and core um, come out that came in lower than expectations. That's the, um, you know, the wholesale, uh inflation number so everything beat expectations this week the same day that the cpi data came out tom there was an article in the wall street journal um, talking about how we measure inflation compared to how europe is measuring inflation and the big difference between how we're measuring it and how they're measuring it is that 25% of inflation. So over a third of inflation is made up over shelter. But in that shelter category, 25% of that is weighted into owners equivalent rent. Owners equivalent rent is the government calling a homeowner and saying, "Hey, I know you've lived in your house 25 years. You haven't changed the carpet in 28 years, but uh what do you think your house would rent for?" And every homeowner thinks the house would rent for more than what it actually does rent for. That's what owner's equivalent rent is. That's what 25% of CPI data is is weighted on this owner's equivalent rent. It was a survey that they invented in the 1980s. It has had little change from that point. Barry Sternlight, who we've talked about here on the pod, uh, who controls 125,000 doors and actually looks at real time data, which we've done on this pod, whether it's rent.com, apartments.com, or realtor.com, or Zillow, you know any of them, they all show that uh, rent prices have turned over and that there are actually a lot of markets in the country where rent has declined year over year. There are some markets like leases in Boston where it's up a little bit, but it's not on this double digit tear that it's been on. It's been on a sharp decline overall across the country. And not only what was the inflation data good on CPI and PPI and core this week, but if you take out owners equivalent, we're near the two percent target of that the Fed wants. We're literally near it. And so, you know, I'm in the camp of obviously just why don't you just wait and see instead of going so far in the other direction and then having to have, you know, rapidly cut to avoid recession. That's what they've historically done i believe that's what they're going to do you've got one of the fomc uh, members just this um i can look up who it was he was on twitter or he was quoted on twitter probably from the wall street journal this morning saying he wants two more hikes over the next four um meetings i'll look up what the exact quote here in just a second um but i'd be in the camp of pausing i think the data was really positive. I understand we need more of this data. Uh but it's all I, I believe it's all going to catch up when we really get a good look at at shelter and shelter's keeping it high. The 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 CPI report stated top line from um you know from the uh Census the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the index for shelter was the largest contributor to all the monthly items increase accounting for over 70% of the increase. So shelters making up over 70% of the increase, which was below expectations and was really good on the year over year number. And so when you pull that out, we're going to be in even in better shape.
2: Yeah, I think it, I mean, speaks for itself. I agree. I don't think that we're going to see that it's going to slow anything down. I think it should, right? I think, but we all know that the rate increase is coming for July. There's no. I don't, is it still above 80% expecting it?
0: It's 92.3% chance, Lisa. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that's great. It's even higher than, than last week. I think it was at 87% when we met last week. So the fact that it's up from 87 to 92, it's coming, right? Mortgage rates did fall a bit though, to your point, Byron. We went from the 7.22 to I believe we're at like 6.8 today. So yeah. a good amount of decrease, but I don't think we're going to, I don't think it's going much further lower than that.
1: Yeah, that that uh Fed member, Fed Governor Chris Waller, he says he's all in for a July hike. He says he'd be prepared to hike again sooner rather than later, meaning back to back hikes. So July, end of July here, and then September again. He says if inflation does not continue to show progress, but it but it is showing progress, Chris. Significant that's progress. the whole point. It is showing progress. Um, but he sees two more 25 basis point hikes in the target range over the four remaining meetings this year as necessary to keep inflation moving toward our target. They, they, they want to go overboard. That's what they've done historically. They've gone overboard and then they've tried to play catch up with, with, um, you know, slashing rates.
0: That's a great point, Byron. I mean, uh, your your BFF, Lawrence Yoon, came out and said, hey, they misjudged inflation early, they being the Fed, and now they're misjudging the economy again. I mean, can you imagine if we were this wrong that often in our jobs, what would happen? You know what would happen? We'd be fired from our listings and we'd be fired by our clients. And it's just okay. And it's it's, it's a real challenge right now. And it's unfortunate because it's impacting a lot of folks.
1: So... One of the questions that we may get as knowledge brokers you know in housing it's going to be hey well when inflation you know starts coming down or they start cutting rates you know should, should i wait till then should i wait till you know all of this is over but i would ask your consumer i would ask whoever you're advising do you think there'll be more or less buyers in the market when that happens and undoubtedly there's going to be more buyers in the market when that happens when we start cutting the federal interest rate. Overall, there's going to be more money in the system. Even you know banks, you know lending out mortgages. They're going to have more capital. Capital has tightened up. Yes. So when they have more capital to deploy into the market on a thirty-year fixed, and you also probably at that time have a thirty-year fixed that's trending downward, not up. Would you imagine more buyers or less buyers? And when you paint that picture in that scenario. For your consumer, for your clients, it, the light bulb should go off. Wow, there's going to be more competition, and then you can ask, do you see, you know, in our market, you know, whatever market that they're looking in, do you see any signs that we're going to have an increase in inventory? You could obviously provide, you know, some of the stats were below pre-pandemic levels for foreclosures, and maybe you know the the intimate. You know new construction stats and starts for your market what are the what are the new housing starts and and they can probably just see it and f- have a good feel for it if they're familiar with the community can you imagine a scenario where we have more or less or the same inventory and if it's less or the same which looks to be the two to three year trend looking outward and you have more buyers what do you think ultimately is going to happen on price so does it you know is it a good decision to go ahead and buy now, especially if you're gonna be making more money over the next couple of years and get the house now, as opposed to waiting for more competition at higher higher prices?
2: Yeah, I think looking at some of the other reports that came out, I think consumers have accepted rates where they're at right now, right? So as they go down, I think it's gonna bring even more in but open up the possibility that it's going to create the frenzy again, that the twos and threes created back when it created.
1: The mental conditioning of seeing two to three weeks of over seven and, in even as high as seven and a quarter, when the rate on MND yesterday was like six, eight something, it looked like, looked sexy to my eye. It looked very appealing because it was so much lower than what I've been. And it's, and it's, and it's, you know, way too high for unlocking inventory you know my you know kind of golden line there is if we get to five and a half percent we're going to start to be able to unlock inventory so we're not unlocking inventory at this number but it certainly looks better and feels better
0: well i mean you look at that kcm chart that's out there where you know when you get above six and a half that's where you see buyer demand starting to get weaker six and a half it gets a lot stronger and you have unlocking inventory i mean that that's a different number you're talking about the people that just want to go buy a home right now, especially first-time buyers. They're paying rent, so they don't have that 3% lock-in rate. They're not one of those 90% of home sellers that have a 6% or less. And it's it's all about what's their motivation, right? And I, I think the knowledge brokers out there, if you're in the market right now, and a lot of people are saying this might be a great time to buy, which is not one of those things that realtors say that, oh, it's always a good time to buy, but prices are going to continue to go up, right? There, there's, no, there's no question about that. And when the rates come down, Instead of competing against two offers, that's a winnable situation in most cases. If you make the decision, you want to buy the home. When you're against 10 or 15 offers, that's where someone comes in and they're just blowing people out. They're getting mom and dad to back up the Brinks truck. They're coming in cash. They're waiving contingencies, all those things that we saw in 2021. So for someone that's been struggling to get into a home, don't play the waiting game. You can't time the market. It never works. I've never seen any. Have you guys ever seen anyone time the market? And have it work out for them like their plan is i'm waiting for rates to drop and i'm going to buy it i can count on maybe one hand where that's happened to clients of mine so if if you're interested in making a decision now you want to be the people that are buying when a lot of people aren't buying i think that's the savvy move and if rates do come down which i'm clear they will in the future i mean there was that morningstar report so they were going to be like five percent next year and four percent the following year which i don't know if i believe that either You can refinance like that's an option this is not marry the house date the rate this is a business decision and if you have a need to buy a home and what the knowledge broker should do is be evaluating their clients they're working with are they motivated do they have the cash in place to buy are they communicating with you those are the top three and then you can evaluate even further and say are they are they listening to my advice are they educated about the process and do they know what they want And that's the kind of clients that agents should be working with right now, because there's going to be some people that are, to your point, Brian, they're scared away by the number until it comes down even further.
2: Well, so that leads a a great segue. The the survey came out 78% of consumers believe it's a bad time to buy a home uh, and only 16% of consumers expect mortgage rates will go down in the next 12 months. Those are crazy stats.
1: Yeah, and I would ask that consumer you know only you said only sixteen percent expect them to go down, so if you ask your buyer, your consumer, you know the the folks that you're advising and their housing decisions, do you expect interest rates to go up or down uh, in the next year, and it doesn't matter what their answer is. remember you know Lisa, you just went to the Phil Jones thing in Dallas, right? he always preaches yep. the person asking the questions is in control of the conversation, and I would actually take it to a to a next step I said this with with um my team here in Connecticut the other day, where the person asking the questions is confident enough to continue to ask questions, because if the ball gets volleyed back to them, they're a true knowledge broker and they have the answers where it doesn't matter what you volley back to me. I know how to handle it either with another question or with the accurate answer. But asking the question, do you think interest rates are going to go up or down? I just want to know what their feeling is. I want to know what's going on in their mind. I want to unlock more information on their journey. Then I may ask a follow-up question, or I may share all of the forecasts, which all of the forecasts show, whether it's Mortgage Banker Association, whether it's Goldman Sachs uh, Outlook over the next two, three years, or Black Knight, amongst many others, that interest rates, morning stars on the... Right, Tom. You did a video on Morningstar recently. Morningstar is on the low side, saying interest rates are going to average five percent in two thousand twenty-four. And then some of these other, you know, mortgage banker association and others are on the high side, closer to six. But you have a pretty tight range between five and six, being the average thirty-year fixed interest rate next year. And so, can you see a scenario in the next ten years, because you've told me you're going to be in your house for ten years that there's going to be an opportunity to refi, right? As interest rates will fluctuate, they'll go down, they'll go up, they'll go down, they'll go up as they have throughout history.
0: Well, I would take the exact question. Let's give it to the people that are listening. When someone says, hey, Lisa, hey, Byron, rates aren't going to come down. And I think you just ask them, how certain are you that rates aren't going to come down? Or what do you know about the mortgage industry right now? and just, just get them talking because they're probably not educated. I mean, that's our job. That's the job of an agent.
1: Get them talking from a place of helping and not in a place of like, uh, I've got all the answers and, and, and you don't type of thing, obviously. Um, but once they talk through the scenario of maybe coming to the realization that, well, rates will come down eventually, which will unlock an opportunity like Tom's talking about for you know, potential refinance situation, depending on their you know personal situation. But once you get deeper into that conversation, the light bulb will go off. If you ask the right questions that there will be more competition undoubtedly then than there is now. And that's an important thing for buyers to understand that while it feels like there's significant competition in a low inventory environment, there's actually far less demand than there was last year. It just feels like there's a lot of competition. When rates go lower, there will be more competition because of the pent up demand that's on the sidelines right now that extended that lease, uh, whether it's the millennial or the baby boomer generation. And so if you're hoping for rates to come down before you make the move, you're also hoping for even far more competition because that's a guarantee than you're experiencing right now. What else we got, Tom?
0: Well, where I'll go with that is uh, you remember in two thousand eight when the White House came out and they gave out that first time homebuyer tax credit. You guys remember this? It was when Obama got elected. Mm. So we would get calls from people, "Hey, I want some of the I want some of the the government's money." Like, that's not a motivated buyer. That's someone that's trying to take it. That's, that's the demand was caused by a policy or a financial condition, Byron, to your point. If you're a knowledge broker right now, I gave you those six questions. You really got to evaluate who you're spending your time with, because if they don't have a compelling reason to move, you got to find someone else that does. And there will be people that transact. I mean, look at back at the pandemic when in Pennsylvania, we weren't even allowed to go show houses and do those sort of things. Homes are selling people were buying. I mean, and that was a very different situation. So it's, it's something that you've got to really realize, like, you're making this big financial investment, you got to think three, four steps ahead of the competition. And that's really going to be the most important thing. So great advice. So I got something. Did you guys see the MLS Pin decision? That uh, that big settlement.
1: Yes, uh, I was waiting. Uh, so, <laughs> I wanted to put Lisa on the hot seat. We've got two big Boston stories, and we're just going to pin Lisa down on both of them. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, real, no. So, so realestatenews.com. I didn't even know this was a site until this story came out. But uh, so real estate news. uh
1: is Stefan Swanepoel.
0: Uh, look, Stefan knows his stuff. Uh, so, absolutely MLS Pin. I usually read real trends and 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 t 360 so uh, I'm, I'm with you uh,
1: and and now and now bam.com Now
0: now bam.com yes uh, so MLS pin if it's a uh, it's a broker owned that's actually very important here MLS in Massachusetts uh, they agreed to pay a three million dollar settlement and stop requiring sellers to offer buyer broker compensation and this isn't a legal precedent but there's These class action lawsuits, Byron, you've talked about them a lot. I know we've talked about them a lot. I mean, we talked internally, put the word out, that are all about these class action lawsuits that sellers feel like their costs were inflated because they paid out buyer commissions. That's kind of the short of it. And these guys settled in Massachusetts. So I think there's someone on the show here. Wait, it's not me. Byron, I don't think it's you. I think it's Lisa has an office in Massachusetts, no. and she's very involved in the Massachusetts environment. So, I- Lisa, what's what's the, what's the haps here? What's going on? If you want to be the knowledge broker in your marketplace, you need BamX. It is a curated community of on-demand courses, like the world-renowned Tom Tool, me, him, the best objection handler in the country, showing you how to handle seller and buyer objections on a consistent basis. Canva courses, how to design your own marketing so you can appeal to people on social media through email and look like a professional. And you get a private community with other like-minded folks like you that want to make their business better. Use the code KNOWLEDGEBROKERS for 10% off. Get BAMX now. Do yourself a favor and go outwork and out-educate your competition.
1: It's definitely Lisa, because I hold a Massachusetts license as a defense mechanism against Lisa. You know how like... One country gets a nuclear weapon um, knowing that the other country has nuclear weapons. You know, Lisa got her Connecticut broker. So I just grabbed Massachusetts just to like have it as a placeholder over here. I point it towards her. Go ahead. Lisa, you're the expert in that. Okay.
2: Yeah, I gotcha. Well, so first MLS pin doesn't cover just Massachusetts. It's actually kind of a regional MLS. So it's um, got some coverage in multiple states. They did settle $3 million. The interesting thing is MLS PIN, we were never really required to offer compensation in that there wasn't, it's not like some MLSs where we had a minimum standard for what compensation could be. It's always been possible where the compensation could be $1. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that it was a defensive mechanism to kind of start to separate from what's going on nationally. And look, nationally, they can't settle. Right. We know that. Um, But I think it is a very loud signal of what is to come for the industry. And I think every single person watching this podcast needs to be very, very acutely aware of how they're going to start to be able to protect their business on a move forward. I was um, driving to work this morning and traffic was atrocious and was re-listening to the book. good to great. And it was an amazing, it was my third time reading or listening to the book. And one of the things that really stuck out to me, like every time I read or listen to a book, something always sticks out to me as it applies to what's going on in my business or my life currently. And there was chapter two was about leadership and towards the end of the chapter, they were talking about what happened in the steel industry um, way back, right? And it was when importers started bringing steel into the company or into the country, rather. And it was set to kind of rattle what was happening to the steel industry inside the United States. There were some leaders of companies that just said, We can't stop it. They're importing it. There's It's unstoppable at this point. And there were other leaders who've said that now we've got competition and we have to find a way to be better, to be faster to do more and to be more as leaders. And that really spoke to me because I think that what's going on in the industry on a couple of different levels, um, one being this means that as agents, as leaders, team leaders, broker owners, whatever the case is, it's our time to kind of step up and are we gonna allow it to happen or are we gonna find ways to innovate and to protect our businesses and to continue to advocate for consumers who need and want representation fair
1: and that is fair i like the way you sum that up and we were having our conversation we, we do a call the three of us every monday wednesday and friday i usually tune in on fridays but i know you said i do
0: are... the call on mondays and wednesdays and you do the call on fridays i think is what
1: happens <laughs> or, you, you, yeah. tom wasn't there last week either but I, I no anyways a, it's,
2: not even, it's not even close dude. <laughs> we both pitched out last week I, that, whatever
1: okay all right uh i'm back but anyways back I alluded, I alluded to it on the call this morning that there's going to be, you know, this settlement is just one little footnote in Massachusetts, you know, Massachusetts, let me rephrase that Massachusetts laying down and uh, taking it in the face is, is just one little footnote on this overall discussion and change that's coming to the industry. And there are going to be brokers both independent and you know big box brokers team leaders you know mega teams and and even small teams and individual agents that are going to have to innovate over the next couple of years at levels the industry's never seen before even if there's not significant change when You know, there's that lawsuit uh, or the uh, trial that's starting, supposed to be October, could get pushed back to February. Even if there's not significant changes, there will be significant concessions.
2: 100%. Yes.
1: And you've got that going on at the same time you've got CoStar three times the market cap of a Zillow coming in and trying to change the online lead game, right, Uh, listing first and you know, buyer broker compensation kind of, it, it does kind of bleed into Zillow's model and RDC's model quite a bit. And then you've got CoStar coming in the other angle, seeing opportunity, having more money. Right. There's a lot of moving parts here. And uh, the, the brokers and, and the agents and the team leaders that get really innovative. And, and what I was talking about on our call today is I wanna be on the forefront of that change and I'm looking forward to the challenge.
2: And I think that that's the thing, right? I think it's going to be, it's not just how do we generate business? How do we protect business? But what do we do to protect our businesses? Contractual changes, right? I think some of the stuff that we've talked about are we're going to see changes in listing contracts, both in Massachusetts and nationally. Yeah. I think we're going to see changes in buyer broker contracts and how those are written, the days of writing per MLS as what you're due for compensation are going to be over.
1: Yeah. Lisa, specifically on Massachusetts and what you've heard from your broker in the state and maybe what you've heard going around, do you expect in the next 30 days to be contract changes? How soon after this settlement?
2: I, I, so there hasn't been a ton of communication out just yet, which has been very interesting. Um, I was expecting that we'd get a lot more communication from MLS Pin when it came out. Interestingly, I heard it first in industry news before there was any communication from MLS Pin, which was fascinating. Um, I'm. I don't think we're going to see contract changes in the next thirty days um, on an industry level. I do. Is think that a mistake? I do believe it is. I and I and that's where I think it's gonna fall on each individual owner to be ahead of the curve to doing the research, to reaching out to their legal professionals to understand how do they start to protect themselves throughout all of this. Um, so, and I think it's one of go ahead.
1: Well, you're gonna now as a broker owner, incur legal fees in the short term. yep, that and you're a member of MLS Pin. But you're going to go ahead and incur these fees just because they're not making any decisions and moves that are that you are aware of
2: correct right yeah absolutely and i it's yeah part of owning a business i guess you know i i wish that the industry would step up i think it's just i think we're playing from behind in this the whole the whole thing i think we're playing from behind i think i i will say this over and over no matter what aspect of this industry we look at, I feel like we're always decades behind most other industries. From the way that our tech works, to the way that our mentality works about business, to the way that we as individuals treat our businesses, we're not operating like some of the, the bigger giants within business landscape, right? Like think about our CRMs, think about how little stuff talks in between all of our stuff. It's it, it's We're behind
1: yeah we haven't had like API that actually works until maybe the last twelve to twenty four months really? really and it's still clunky. I'm not saying it's perfect,
2: but. well right, and if we were like like I compare it to like automotive sales, right like they've got so much more that's the other industry that I always think of as kind of close to us, and i I look at some of their tech and it just talks so much better um. I think that the professionals within the automotive, not all, but most treat it as a little bit different um, across the board. I'll probably get bashed for okay. saying that, but
0: I actually,
1: I have high respect for that industry. And,
0: and it's a volume industry, right? We're all trying to do volume here. Like it's, I think that's where a lot of people get uh, stuck is that they're looking at, I'm going to raise my price point. It's a, sell less we might've
1: lost time to there for money. a second. It's what it's happens v-
2: when you vacation all the time instead of showing up <laughs> at your office and actually working. Nick.
1: We have thunder happening here. Tom, you're back.
0: I'm back. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but what, what I was Lisa. There, auto sales is a volume industry, right? And that's what we're trying to right. do. All three of us, and I think that, that you know, it's it's the agents that have this idea. I want to I want to sell ten homes a year at a million dollars a piece. Like I mean, that's just a really you know, in our market, you're chasing three percent of the market. So good luck with that. That's it's not a smart business decision. Right. And for for the knowledge brokers out there the way to react to this I'd like that you're getting your own attorney at Elisa I think that's a very smart idea um, we, we I think we were on a call earlier in the week where it's there's a state form a brokerage form and maybe even a team form that needs to get signed the other thing I look at and and we've been I know we've been talking about this internally with our, our respective organizations is you got to show up for the appointment ready to interview the days of opening the door and hoping maybe they'll like this house and they're gonna buy it like they've been over. But now they're really going to be over because if you can't communicate with somebody, you can't articulate value, you can't guide them. What's going to happen is these these people are going to be like, well, I'm, I'm not working with them. I got to pay them now. It's not even like they just showed up and opened the door and the seller is, is responsible for those fees. So knowledge brokers need to get their appointment down. They need to understand how to present. And you got to focus on taking listings right now. And this is something that no one in the industry wants to do because it's hard. So there's gonna be a lot of changes from an operational side, from a paperwork side, and from a, a mindset strategy side that are gonna come out of this. And I look at it as opportunity because there's gonna be a lot of people that are just gonna throw in the towel and say, you know what, I'm out. I'm not doing this. And there 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 is gonna be massive opportunity here for sure. So it, it's it's uh you know, it, it it it's it's a disruption, but with every disruption creates new business opportunities and I'm ready to take advantage of it. I don't know about you guys. Well, I do know about you guys. Uh,
1: unfortunately, Re- real estate agents don't want to hear this but they're going to have to make less of an in- investment on Instagram threads and more of an investment on their back-end operations.
2: <laughs> I am stoked for it. I think it's uh
1: I, For threads? I haven't seen you no, in there. Not
2: threads for changes. I think it's time to like <laughs> This yeah. you know what? I was saying to I was saying to Jason uh yesterday. I feel like we're back in Remember like three years ago in June of 2020, when we were adapting to the COVID market, like what was shaking out here for us was we were adapting to the COVID market. Zillow flex was rolling into the market and changing the way that we were starting to run businesses and paying referral fees and all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like at some level, we're kind of in the same dynamic. We're adjusting to a new landscape within the industry, whether it's looking at buyer agency commission, the need for listings decreased volume, we're adapting to a new way of doing business, higher interest rates, uh, You know, be, having to kind of think ahead of things and it's gonna require us to be on our toes. I think back to June of 2020 and what came out of 2020 and 2021, and there were organizations The ones that got big, got really big and the others kind of fell behind. And I think we're gonna see the next iteration of those that are poised to get big are gonna get even bigger and the rest are gonna start to fall off again.
1: Yeah. All right, Lisa, before we got a hard stop here in a few. So I want to get your take on another Boston story. Uh, I mentioned it on the hot sheet. I applauded the Boston mayor, Michelle Wu. She's proposing to give downtown office building owners a property tax break of up to 75% over a 29-year period to convert their properties into apartments or condos. Now, this wouldn't, this isn't something New York City can do because 20% of the city's tax revenue is specifically from office buildings so if you were to go and give these office buildings a you know tax break over the next 30 years up to 75 percent you're losing 75 percent of 20 percent of your revenue so new york city's not in a position to do this it sounds like i don't you know this is a very short story on nbc boston there's a piece today in fortune on it it doesn't sound like um you know the the mayor has any concerns of loss of revenue by doing this i'm a big fan of stimulating the top to create more inventory what i would want her to do is make some make make a deal that some of this is affordable because boston is pretty much unaffordable for, for for most uh you know so affordable in context with what boston prices are of course um and then the other thing that that i always take into consideration it's very costly to you know, renovate these. So is this even going to be enough? Lisa, what's, you live in Boston. Um, you do business in Boston. What's your take on it?
2: Well, so I actually, I haven't gotten to read the article yet and I'm like shameful to admit that I hadn't actually paid. I hadn't heard about it until this morning. So, um, I, well, I I, I want to do more research on it and really understand it before I weigh in heavily. We do need more inventory in Boston, without a doubt. We need more housing. Um, we do have commercial space that I do believe could be converted that's not being utilized. I'd like to understand the financials of it and really kind of see where it's going to shake out. Um, how about next week? I commit to giving more more of my yeah. Insight. I'd
1: like. I'd love your your insight because you're there and, you know, I have my macro takes on the whole situation, which I just gave, but I'd like your local. Uh, it's one of the first, you know, mayors or governors that has went out there and said, hey, I want to I want to pilot this. I want to give a real tax break, get conversion and get more inventory. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out.
2: Yeah. I'll, let me commit to bring back next week and I'll share more intimate thoughts on it.
1: Good. That means Lisa's not going to blow us off next week, Tom. You heard it here first.
0: But you'll probably still blow us off on the accountability call Monday and Wednesday is what I'm hearing, right?
1: <laughs> no, I'm back. I'm back. You took the vacation. Your vacation um, put me down the wrong path, Tom. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's it's all, actually... that's all
0: bullshit, man. You gotta be, it's called personal responsibility, bro. <laughs> <laughs> your,
1: your vacation screwed yeah, yeah. me up. <laughs> uh, I'm back.
0: I'm glad to hear you're back. I'm back. That was, that was the best news of the day. I think I, I even texted you guys that after we got a-